This message was presented at the GYC 2010 No Turning Back Conference in Baltimore, Maryland. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. Father in heaven, we thank you for having been with us. Uh, Father, if there have been any things that I have misspoken, we ask that you erase them from my mind and from everyone's mind and, and you rectify in your own way, Lord. But Father, um, we just pray that uh, in this point in history, in 2010, soon to be 2011 tomorrow, uh, Lord, we want to go home. And Lord, we know there are many everyday earth issues that young people and old people go through especially inside your own church, inside your own house. Father, help us to clarify and rectify some of these things through the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, we pray this in Jesus' name humbly. Amen. Amen. The third part is called, For What End? The Goal of Controversy. We're going to look at, cons- uh, not conservatives and liberals, but fundamentalists and liberal uh, uh, relativists. Um, kind of the two modern versions of, of these things in our, in our society today. The first presentation was a, a survey through church history. The second presentation was a Bible study through what Jesus was going through. And this one is a sociological study on, on um, some of the dynamics. I just want to do it, give this preface. Um, and if you want to leave, by all means, you are welcome to. This seminar is not for a beginner GYC or a beginner Seventh-day Adventist. This is an in-house context for Seventh-day Adventists who have been here for a while. There is a... Um, a dissension within the church between liberals and conservatives, and we hope that my my hope is through some open dialogue we can help um, heal some of the the burned experiences that young people may have had. Um, our desire is not to promote one agenda above the other, but allow Jesus to be uh, clearly seen amidst a lot of the political issues and church issues that are going on. Okay, is that fair, everyone? Okay. If, there's not, if that's not your cup of tea, by all means, please, you can leave. I will not stare you down and whatnot. Um, there are a billion other seminars here that I think I would be rather be going to than this one, but I have to be here because I'm, I'm presenting. Um, but I and bless your hearts for being here as well. Um, for what end? The goal of controversy. In the age of globalization, we are enforced to interact with each other in two ways. You, I'm using sociological terms that I'm assuming that all of you understand. Do you know what globalization means? Hopefully you all do. It means the whole globe is becoming... One, I just got back from South Korea two days ago. South Korea is living exactly like North America, if not the same. Um, not exactly the same because they're Korean and they, they look Korean and they speak Korean. Uh, but uh, Thomas Friedman talks about the world becoming flat. And then now the world is essentially not um, different cultures, but it is America and multiple Americums. Okay, different, different economies of America around. So you have America in India, America in Korea, America in Europe, and America all over the world. And every, essentially, everyone is living like America now. Did you know America is not number one, everyone? Okay. This upcoming generation is the first generation that will see um, death earlier than the previous generation. It will be less educated. It will be unhealthier. Um, our future uh, is, is bleak for us, guys. You know, America is on the down. And if you guys are pro-America, I'm sorry. That's, that's the reality of it. China is, is coming up, and China is scary. Okay? The Chinese are everywhere. Okay? <laughs> the Chinese are everywhere. Do you know how many Chinese restaurants there are in the world? Yeah. Anyway. anyway, in the age of globalization, this means that the world is becoming one. And now that because there's more, there's more air travel, there's more access of ideas through the Internet, there's more homogenization going on, 
there's some problems that will occur because of all this. One is relativism. I, I, I um, spell that as R-E-L. Basically says, you believe what you want to believe. I believe what I want to believe. And we stay the same. Okay? Does this make sense? Because there's all these other people. Okay? How many of you are from, um, from a highly metropolitan urban area? Raise your hands. Okay. If, you, if there's, there's, there's streets in New York that has a, a Muslim carpenter on one, t- and then next door there's a Puerto Rican grocery market, and next to him is a Chinese restaurant, and next to him is a Korean you know, taekwondo uh, 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 center, and next to him is a, a you know, yoga studio with you know, Bangladeshi people, you know, whatever. Now, when you have it before, you never had this problem, right? Koreans just hang out with Koreans. A lot of them still just hang out with Koreans. Or you just have, you know, the blacks are in the black corner, the whites are in the white corner, the Hispanics are in their corner, the, the, the Argentine, I don't know where Argentina comes to my mind, but they're hanging by themselves. But in an age of globalization, everyone is just what? Mixing, okay? So we're forced to interact with people we've never interacted before. And we have to ask ourselves, how are we going to interact with this person? This person speaks Spanish, and he worships Mary. I speak Korean, and I worship Buddha. How do I interact with this person? I don't know. Well, one way is, you believe what you want to believe. I'll believe what I want to believe. And what? guess what? We're both exactly the, the same. We're both right. Okay? That's relativism. Next one is fundamentalism. That's the other extreme. Basically saying, I am right. You are wrong. And you better believe what I believe before I punch you. Okay, that's what's, going, what's happening. Um, fundamentalism takes it to an extreme degree, and it uses violence, anger, drastic methods, methods, and it's about controlling the other person because there's this dissonance going on. In liberal secularization theory, this is a sociological term. It basically, this was a theory back in the 1800s and early 1900s that said, now that rationale and logic and modernity is, is, is being throughout the world in science, more and more, religion will disappear. People will embrace science. It will be the age of enlightenment. We'll, have, we'll believe in, in, in data and in, in, in evidence. And a lot of this supernatural stuff will be eradicated. Well, guess what happened? In the 1950s, a sociologist named Peter Berger says this is completely proven wrong. With more modernity coming, the human condition is, I don't want more of this modernity. I'm striving and yearning for something more spiritual. And the spiritual rates, the Pentecostal church has grown more in modernity than ever. The Catholic church has grown more. The Islamic uh, denomination is growing. Um, The New Age movement is growing. The indigenous uh, religions of the third world are growing. Spirituality is all the more powerful now, after science, than before science. Okay? So secularization has been proven wrong. There's more religious passion in the world. Modernity but has been proven not to secularize, but it does pluralize. Okay? Do you guys all catch what, what I mean by that? Okay? It does not remove God, but it causes us to interact with the plurality of people. What is pluralism? It's, it's multiple cultures, communities, religions situation in which different ethnic or religious groups coexist under conditions of civic peace and inter- interact with each other socially. Okay? In this group here, in this room here, I'm, I'm assuming that the majority of us are Seventh-day Adventists, yes? If not Seventh-day Adventists, we are all Christians, at least in this group. I know there are some non-Adventists here at GYC. Um, we can use a certain lingo here, yes? Haystacks. Okay. If you're laughing, we speak the same language. If you're not laughing, you're thinking, what is a haystack? <laughs> hey? 
What is hey? Okay. Um, I imagine going to a, a, a football game. Um, I don't know what else to think of. And screaming out loud, Ellen White. What would happen? Nothing. Now, if there are people that would turn around <laughs> and look, you'd know that they're what? Oh, you're a Seventh-day Adventist. Hey. Okay. <laughs> Sabbath school quarterly. Oh, hey, what's going on? <laughs> you know my brother, Oloma Linda, and then Collegedale, and Walla Walla. Oh, you know. Hey, we, 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 we're all part of this, this community, okay? But the minute we leave GYC and you go back to TSA and your airports, what happens? You're in a world of what? Non-Seventh-day Adventism, right? And I think because Seventh-day Adventists, we're, we're in such small communities, we like coming to big events such as this because we feel like for the first time we're the majority. We're like, wait, there's so many Adventists. Oh, I don't, I, veggie me, oh, veggie me. Oh, so many, there's this thing, okay? But the minute you step out of this context, out of this context, you veggie me, veggie Veggie meat is a false kind of, it's, it's like, it's like a, and you got to explain, it's like an, a, it's an eraser that's salty and you put some on your bread and whatever. Um, now when it comes to your faith, it becomes very difficult to explain, right? And then each young person today is, is, has to encounter the question, is our religion right? If it's right, how do we interact with people who also think they're right? Okay, makes sense everyone? This is the problem that we all have. History. The Enlightenment made doubt popular. It said that thinking was the same thing as doubting. And by the way, there are some people who think this is true today. Okay? Thinking is not doubting. There are some people that think, you know, are you sure? Like, as long as I'm critical of this, then, and then I'm a smart person. Okay? You're not smart. You're just, you're just doubter. Okay? They basically are saying that nothing is certain. This was systematized into a philosophy called scientism, which is basically science. This is not one of the, way, not one of the ways of thinking, they say, but the only way of thinking. And they essentially theorized and predicted that modern reason will kill faith, passion, will, and who? And God. There's a philosopher named Frederick Nietzsche. How many of you are familiar with him? Okay, he came and says that now God is what? Is dead. And we're living on the, the, the sepulchers of, of the divine. Objectivity, certainty, necessity, meaning, essence, and being are all what? Idols. And science will remove all these things. Now in comes modernity. And people thought modernity is the ideal, where science will show everything. We'll not only be flying in flying cars. Uh, we'll have little little transporters and little 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 machines that you type in what you want and materializes into ice cream and food. And like this would be there's a science is king. Okay, did that happen? Well, it didn't happen because modernity created one of the world's most dangerous weapons called nuclear bombs. Have you heard of this? Okay. Now, we are fortunate in 2010 that we are not the nuclear generation, but there was a generation before us that was afraid of nuclear bombs all the time. And you see it in the, the black and white movies where they said, hey, if there is a nuclear bomb coming, then you hide underneath your what? Your desk, because your desk is made out of a super, uh, super scientific alloy that the radiation cannot penetrate, and you'll be safe underneath this desk. Okay? I'm being facetious. <laughs> you guys are like, really? Is that what it was made out of? Okay. No, it's a regular wooden desk, okay? but it was fooling the masses, and it caused a certain fear of nuclear, nuclear elimination, uh, not elimination, um, annihilation. What happened after um, modernity is what? Post-modernity. Post-modernity basically is saying, you know what? We can't really know for sure. So if we can't know for sure, then why either bother? Right? No one has truth. Let's just kind of deal with it now. Modernity. Some components of modernity is one, urbanization. 
Okay? In the realm of, 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 of science, what happened is coming together and, and working together and building up cities became really big. Okay? How many of you are from a city? Raise your hands. Okay? Within the Seventh-day Adventist subculture, urbanism is looked down upon. Why? Because we like being out in nature. It is where God communicates through us. And um, rural living and, and um, uh, what's it called? Country living is, is the ideal. Uh, migration and traveling is huge because the, the um, increase of uh, transportation, of airplanes. And how many of you um, have traveled in the last six months using a plane? I mean, outside of GYC. Outside of GYC. Okay. Now, maybe 50 years ago, this would have been impossible. Okay. You simply did not leave your home. You lived inside your house and you lived inside your town. And when you grew up, you worked at the, the mine or the factory in town. You married the girl from your town, and you had your kids in town, and you died in town, right? <laughs> um, nowadays, you go to one job, and you go to the Internet. You get another job um, in a city, you know, in the next state. And if you don't like there, you marry the girl in, in Canada, and then you have kids in, in, in Puerto Rico, and then you retire in Siberia. <laughs> Why you would do that, I don't know. Um, there is high level of literacy, uh, not illiteracy, illiteracy, okay, and many people are reading. Um, it is amazing that um, people thought that um, the video, the YouTube, would, would kill um, all forms of, of, of literacy un, until the, 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 uh, the little um, Kindle came out, and now that's the coolest thing, and everyone's reading now, amen? You're like, uh, amen, okay. Um, everyone's getting more information, and it's making the world more flat. And lastly, there's more technology, okay? Phone, radio, movies, TV, computers, and now you have cell phones that are all five of those things at the same time. Um, you can call someone and watch TV and then listen to the radio and then type out your paper on your phone at the same time, okay? What's happening in the church? The church has to deal with modernity. How to, how, what's happening is people are church shopping, right? Because now they get, all the churches are online, because you can travel to any of the churches that you want to, and because everyone's driving, each church has to be competitive in their own right to find out some kind of niche, and each church actually has to start marketing to people, whereas this was not the case before. Um, there are a lot of people who church shop, and young people are into church shopping. Okay? This may be some of you. Okay? You move into a town and say, you know what? I'm going to see which church I like. Have you ever asked yourself that question? Okay. Whereas before, it's, you know what? I moved into a town called Belfast. I'm going to go to the Belfast church because it is the only church in Belfast. Whereas now, hmm, I'll check out Belfast Central, Belfast East Side, Belfast North Side, you know, Angry Belfast Church, you know, they're not having over there, okay, Belfast Youth Church, okay, Belfast, you know, Contemporary, Belfast you know, Medieval, whatever it is, and they go. Um, now, instead of the laity um, trying to go out and do, do community work and serving and, and, and being an comp active component of the church, now the clergy has to serve the laity. Lady come, the lady come. You know what I mean by lady, right? That's normal church people, okay? Clergy means the weird people who, who preach in front, okay? The lady just come, and they realize, you know what? I was church shopping, and I like this church, so I'm going to move my membership here, and now for me to stay here, pastor, you have to do stuff for me, okay? Serve me, okay? And what happens is, instead of the priesthood of all believers, now the pastor is now... Um, uh, catering to all the personal needs of all the church members, okay? What happens is the community goes down, the community is not being served, and it's now the sole person serving the, the church, okay? And what happens is if the person is, the needs are not met, guess what? They walk up and go to another church, and they can do more church shopping and compare and whatnot. 
Ladies shop around for the best experience for themselves. Society becomes consumer-driven, what the member wants, and not what the member what? Needs. Okay, this is huge. What the member wants, and not what the member needs. Member needs. Um, there are mega churches that were popular in the 90s, some of them of which are called Willow Creek Saddleback. Um, they always are like compound two words, you know, like Blue River and Rolling Hills and, and whatnot. Okay? And these kind of churches have grown exponentially, not because of truth's sake, not because of, of, of whatever's sake, but just because they have what people what? want. Now, it's amazing that Willow Creek just, in, I think, two or three years ago came out with a study and said, after 20 years of this model, we realized that our church members have not matured or progressed in their spiritual lives at all. They've just maintained them and just kept them and housed them for all these years. And they're thinking of different ways to, to, to do this. They shop for morality. If they come to one church and the pastor says something offensive or something too, too strong, like, you know what, this church isn't for me, they go to somewhere else that, that meets them. Okay? So what happens is the people aren't being fed. They're just kind of going to a buffet of all ice cream, and they get fatter and fatter and fatter and fatter. Okay? Um, they choose their own lifestyle and wellness. They, choose, they can even choose their ethnicity. They go to one church. You know what? There's a little bit too many white people in this church. They go to this. Ah, too many black people in this one. They go here. Ah, too many babies. They're screaming all the time. In this church, ah, there's too many, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. Korean people. They, they smell like garlic or whatever it is. Okay? <laughs> and also, now in this day and age, you can choose your sexual identity. Okay, now there's a multiplicity of sexual identities. We found from biblical uh, um, precedent that there is only one sexual identity, one man, one woman, we call heterosexuality. Now there's homosexuality, there's multiple sexuality, there's guy, girl, 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 guy, guy, multiple, and, and guy, non-human, and, and we, we can go whatever, okay? Uh, we need to be sensitive with some of the experiences that people go through. I'm going to talk about sexuality a little bit later on. The results. Certainty becomes harder to achieve, and there now becomes no what? No assurance. I want to just sink, let this sink this in your, in your minds for it. There is no thing as assurance. I'm asking you today, please think about this. The common response from our young people today is, I don't what? I don't know. Okay? Why? It's because we've been accustomed to YouTube. We just watch, oh, a cat, cat goes in the hole. Oh, funny. Replay. <laughs> okay. Hey, what do you think about modernity and, and social, socialization and factors of da 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 da? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Where's the cat? No cat. Okay. Um, the reason I'm bringing this up is this, is I believe you as young people are capable of thinking about these deeper issues. And we need to start thinking about these issues because once we turn 20 years old, we are, we are adults in society's eyes, and we are um, user, used by God for, for his work at age 30. That's when Jesus was, 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 uh, was starting. We've got to start taking up positions of leadership in the church. Amen? In the third world, the average age of the church member is 30 years old. There are deacons at age 20 and, and elders at age 15. I'm exaggerating. But in North America, you know, you've got to be like minimum 70 years old to become an elder and and uh, I'm being facetious. I'm sorry. Let's keep going. <laughs> Relativism basically says we agree to disagree. You cannot morally condemn what? Anything. Okay? And the, and the minute you condemn anything, you're now saying that you're judging me. And do you know what the number one Bible verse that's being, that, that, that every American knows? It is not John 3.16. Okay? John 3.16, people don't even know John 3.16 now. They think it is something, a sign that people put up in football games. Okay? And I don't know why they put that up in football games. 
Okay, is, is the quarterback the Messiah? I don't know what's going on there. Okay. It's, it is Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Okay, it's about don't judge me, don't judge me, don't judge me. Fundamentalism it basically says you just don't get it, produces irresolvable conflict with those who do not share its beliefs. Basically, Peter Berger, who is the, uh, the, the most famous sociologist right now, he says this. In, Eli, in every relativist, there is a what? About to be born. And in every fundamentalist, there is a relativist waiting to be liberated. Relativists bring, if you bring some form of moral outrage to them, they become what? Okay, so if you take, if, you, if there's a relativist and you're like, you know what, there's no moral truth and everything's fine, then you've got to bring them some kind of moral outrage. Okay, well, if everything's okay, let me just rape your baby. Well, and after I rape it, I'll eat it. Okay, something just outrageously disgusting. And from that person, they're like, well, that's wrong. Well, if that's wrong, they swing to the other, and they become a what? A fundamentalist. Okay, fundamentalist, you bring them some form of moral failure, they become what? Relativists. Okay, fundamentalists are like, this is right, this is right, this is right, and say, well, what about this situation? It's not right anymore. Ah, and the horse crumbles down, they swing to the other side, and there is no moral truth ever, and then they go to the other side. Okay, now I'm, I'm painting this picture because just like how this, we've been talking about the pendulum swings and back, back, uh, going back and forth, this is happening in the realm here. Both are reactions to modernity. Fundamentalists, number one. They attempt to restore or create a new, uh, taken-for-granted body of beliefs and values. Okay? Because we're living in modernity, and there's so much, there's all this stuff going on. Okay? Some of you, um, it's kind of like this. How many of you, don't raise your hands, this is your first time at GYC, and you come and you go into an auditorium, and there's 7,000 young Seventh-day Adventists. You've never seen 7,000 young people before, and you, you go into freak-out mode. You're like, whoa, they're all Adventists? Whoa, and you, you start freaking out, okay? The fundamentalist freaks out because they're saying there's all these ideas. There's, there's Buddhism, and there's, there's Muslims, and there's, there's, there's theism, anti-theism, atheism, agnosticism, and pantheism, panentheism, and like, ah, oh, you know what? So you step back, and you say, I got to create my own world for myself. They're always what? Reactive. They're very, we'll talk about that a little bit later. They're inclined towards intolerance, and then unbelieving is a threat, so we've got to eliminate this threat of all unbelievers. There is also secular fundamentalism, which believes that God does not exist, and they believe this absolutely, and they push it on others. Okay? There are four individuals called the four uh, horsemen of the apocalypse that are going around. Do you guys know who they are? Richard Dawkins, Hitchens, yes? All right, there's four of them. That's another seminar. Um, they are looking for certainty. Doubt is suppressed. Communication must be controlled. And they're recreating what? Recreating reality. And some versions of this are ancient communism. I say ancient, only 100 years ago. And, uh, and radical Islam are some versions of this. They're intolerant to other religions. They are a reaction to the world, to modernity, to fragmentization, pluralization, and relativization. Okay? Reaction against higher criticism. We talked about that the other day. And the word fundamentalist comes from actually a Christian uh, context. In the 1900s, when the world was about to be, um, World War II was coming about, some Christian Protestants came together and said, you know what, we've got to fight against liberalism, and we've got to go back to the fundamentals. And they said, hey, what is the, the, the core of our beliefs? 
And they said, we've got to hang on to this. And they started the fundamentalist movement then. They're reactionary, and fundamentalists are not the original, but they claim to be the original. Um, but at best, they, are the fam- they have family resemblances to the original. They have a very strong culture, and they're unattractive and impractical. Okay? They have such high standards, and they try to enforce this on everyone that it ends up as being very unattractive. They need external threats. And this is what happens with fundamentalism. They need someone else to bounce off of. Okay? So they'll never walk into a room and say anything. They just walk into a room and they look. And they're like, you're not wearing a tie? You need to wear a tie. Your skirt, it's too long. Your, your hair, it's too short. Your glasses are too thick. You know, and they, they go around and they need to attack something and place values on other people. If, the others, if there is no, nothing to react against, guess what happens? They don't do anything. They need liberals. They need what? They need liberals. Okay? They are, their sole existence is to attack liberals. Okay? What happens is, is if there are no liberals, they'll find the most liberal of the conservative and they'll start attacking them. <laughs> okay? They target enemies and they have a mode of resentment and what? And bitterness. Okay? Now, it, it, this, is a, this is a heart problem, I believe. This is a heart problem. They've been burned by one side and instead of allowing Jesus to heal that burn part, they, they, they keep it down in the heart, and then they cover it up with the, 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 the search for truth and the preaching of truth. How many of you are familiar with individuals that may have some of these components in their lives? Okay. This is very, very dangerous. They're anti-creative, anti-arts, anti-embarking on new ground. Okay. They are in a fear mode. And if you, ever, if you ever decide to like go on something and like, hey, can we try something? No. Hey, can I draw a picture? No. And it's all about we need assurance. We need certainty. And it's about retracting back and back and back and back and back and back. Okay? They dissent with everything. Some fundamentalist movements in history are the Wahhabi movement in the Middle East. The, there's India, Libya, Hinduism, there's versions of that. In Islam, in the 1960s, was, was a hardcore version of Catholicism. And in the third world, fundamentalism is on the increase. The fundamentalist core, is basically says, is the reassertion of certainty. And there's three things. Okay? If you don't know what this is, I'll, I'll make this really easy. Three things. Ontology, epistemology, and teleology. Ontology basically, basically says, I am, am. Epistemology is, I what? No. And teleology is, it will happen. This is what the, 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 the core of this is. Um, I am a human being. I am a man, and I am a Christian. I know absolute truth. Jesus will come. Okay? Now, is this bad at, at all? Not at all. Okay? But is it possible in the search for certainty, you can overdo it? And you can kill the person next to you trying to be so certain about it. Okay? You're so insecure because you don't have certainty that the minute someone else next to you has, has some uncertainty, you want to eliminate them from your lives. Okay? There's something dangerous about that. Relativism basically says that all religions are what? True. Okay? The emergent movement today is a, the, the modern version, the Christian version of Christian relativism. Subjectivity and espouses the, the philosophy of truth, beauty, and good. Basically, is there any truth? No. You determine your own truth. Is there anything beautiful? No. Everyone's beautiful in their own eyes. Is there anything good? 
No. Everyone determines their own good. Okay? So if I'm raping a baby, there's, 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 there's some version of good that has to be there somewhere. Okay? Uh, it's a weak culture, and by weak, I don't mean that it's... it's, it's uh, uh, by weak, I mean it's, it's, it's hard, to, hard to keep together. Okay? In fundamentalism, it's, it's so strong that it just you're, you're sticking together. Relativism is just a fluid that if you leave, it's okay. You're, you're, you're okay because whether you're here or there, it's the same anywhere. If you want to, you go. Bye. And, okay. There's no ethics. Um, there's really no standard on how to live because if I live this way and I live that way, it's the same anyway. So why, why even matter? Why even talk about it? Why even, why even teach it? There are no values. Okay? There is not something that's better than the other. Okay? We're, it's all the same. It's all in this, this, this gloppy gloop of, of gloopiness. There is no future. Okay? Now is, is tomorrow. Tomorrow is yesterday and tomorrow is today being yesterday. And it doesn't matter because it's not better anyway and, and that's not different because we're all the same and, and, and smile. Okay? It's just it's all, all mixed together. There's no motive for action. Okay? Hey guys, let's do something. No, why? That's not better than now. Let's just let's, let's not do anything. Okay, okay. Yeah, and you just, you, you just flatline. Everything is what? And nothing is? And there's huge problems with those last two uh, sentences because if everything is not true, then is that statement true? Well, that statement is part of everything, isn't it? And that's not true, then that's, that must be false. But if it's false, then everything is true. Okay, just keep thinking about it enough and you might get it. Okay? Some of you are like, <laughs> too much breakfast. Okay, relative number two, there's some dangers. Secular humanism is coming into the church and basically now there are, there's a generation that's saying, why do we have to argue about things in the church? Yes? How many of you have had church board elders uh, fight about things in the church and you get discouraged about it? Okay, I'm talking about hardcore stuff, not the color of carpet. I'm talking about you know some, some hardcore issues. There is a generation that's saying, like, you know what, I don't want to fight anymore. I don't like my mom and dad fight. Can we just stop fighting? Can we just all get along? Can't we just all get along? Okay. How many of you guys from that generation that you remember where that's from? Okay. Just only some of us. Shows you my age. Okay. Secular humanism is coming to the church, merely benefiting the advancement of man. So what's happening is this. People are going to church. Church is not about truth anymore. Church is not about uh, proclaiming the gospel and evangelism. It's just about helping each other out. It's just about love. Let's just sit here and, and love. Ladies and gentlemen, let's stand up and give each other a hug. Now that you have your hug, happy Sabbath, and you can go home now. You've received your daily dose of love. That, that, that's what church has been reduced to. Okay? We're so afraid of saying anything. Right? I'm a human being. Are you sure you're a human being? I don't think you're a human being. Let's fight about it. Aha! I'm so afraid. I don't know if I'm a human being. I'm just not going to say anything. <laughs> Now, you understand the two extremes. One extreme says, I am and I know for sure. The other extreme is like, I, I don't really know and I'm not going to say. <laughs> now, there's huge problems with both, yes? You guys agree with that. The abridgment of the gospel to a moral system. This is moral influence theory brought up by Graham Maxwell saying that all we need to do is, is what? Is love. Okay? The gospel is about loving each other and in the end, everyone will be saved anyway. There will be no one. How can God, who is a God of love, destroy anyone? 
than all the passages in Scripture that talk about destruction and judgment and condemnation and annihilation are just analogies of, of how God might react or as a, an, an as a illustration uh, of, of what could happen, but that's not going to happen. Everyone will be saved. So while we're here on this earth, let's just kind of chill and take a chill pill, okay? Loss of cosmological transcendence of Jesus Christ, resurrection, and the sanctuary, basically. There's a sanctuary in heaven. Who cares? What does that have to do with me? I'm just going to go church shopping and just have my ice cream in my pew and drink some coffee, whether it's decaffeinated or caffeinated, I don't care anymore because it's all relative, and let's just hang out and listen to some, some Christian heavy metal for, for, for Sabbath morning. Okay? It's just been all mushy, mushy glott. There is no significance of Jesus ministering on our behalf of the sanctuary. Okay? You guys know the sanctuary message? 8031, Jesus goes up to heaven. 1844, he goes in the most holy place. He's judging our names right now. The minute he stops, he's going where? Back out, and his people are waiting for him outside the sanctuary. Where are his people? His people are here on this, this earth, right? That's where we're living in a, in a, in a, in a context of, of that message. Anyway, this has no meaning. Disengagement with the world, society, politics, media, and economics. Uh, why should I help people? Uh, why get into politics? Ah, uh, they're fighting. Oh, Obama, change, we can believe. Eh, hope, whatever. And let's just get it all mushified. There's a third option. Okay, I want to ask you to look at this, this, this thing here. On the top, the top uh, part, you have proactive people and reactive people. And on the left side, you have absolute truth and relative truth. People who believe in absolute truth and are reactive, what do we call them? Fundamentalist. Okay. Fundamentalists cannot, cannot exist by themselves. They're, they are mooching and feeding off of those and then just reacting off of them. Okay. But they believe in absolute truth. Then you have people who are proactive, and uh, they, they want to express and, 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 and go forward and, pro, and, and be progressive, but they believe in relative truth. What do we call them? Relativists. Okay. Then there's, I believe there's a third option where I believe we should be pro, proactive in, 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 in being evangelical, and we're going to look at some suggestions of that, and believe in absolute truth. There is a third option. I don't know what to call it, okay, but I, I'm, 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 I'm suggesting it this morning. And then the fourth category is the letter X. Okay, who are they? These are individuals who are what? Reactive and they believe in relativism. Okay, these individuals tend to be the harshest of the harshest of the harsh. Okay, in Adventism, a lot of them have blogs and have their own magazines. Okay, and they are relative. They don't believe anything absolute, but they're waiting for someone to be proactive and they'll jump on board and attack them. Okay. Now, I mentioned yesterday that, yesterday that conservatives tend to be angry people and liberals tend to be nice people. Okay. In general, I think that's true, but there are some of the most harshest people on both sides. Amen? And uh, I want to say that, yeah, I won't say that. I'll keep on going. Some quotes. John fourteen fifteen. If you love me, keep my what? Now, again, here we're going back to the, the core again. Human beings have the tendency to only focus on one component. Yes? Yes, uh, the, the morning uh, session, we looked at Jesus. He always had the balance of the two. In John 14, 15, if you love me, people end the verse right there, and they're focused on what? Love, 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 love. There's others that say, keep my commandments, and they only look at that part. It's like, keep his commandment, 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 commandment,
put him together. And Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Ephesians 4.15, speaking the love in, uh, speaking the truth in, in love. A lot of us like to speak the truth, yes? How many of you like speaking the, word, the truth? Okay. You better break up with that boy before I slap you. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. We like speaking the, word, the, the truth, but how many of us are so afraid of speaking the, word, the truth, we only are in love and we don't talk to them? All we got to do is just love them. Okay. The balance is we speak the truth in what? In love. The third component there is, um, I don't know who said this, but I, I love the quote. I am as conservative as the what? The word of God and as liberal as the? The love of God, in the end, they are the what? They're the same. If they're not the same, there's a dissonance in our experience, and we need to rectify that right away. Calibra calibration needs to occur between those two things. Securing a belief. In the end, uh, this, is, this is very difficult uh, for, to, for me to say because it may come up being arrogant, but what we need in the church is basically conversion. Amen? We need converted people. We need leaders who are converted. We need young people who are converted. And what this means is truth is in the inner core of our very being. We're not gravitating towards liberalism or conservatism because we want to or because our personalities gravitate towards them or because we've been hurt by one side, we go to the other side. We need to follow where truth it, it hits our being. Uh, belief and the love of truth in, in 2 Thessalonians, it says that those who have the love of truth will be saved. Love truth. This will lead to patience, love, and understanding. Um, let me read this part here. We must be convicted that having standards and ethics and doctrinal positions make us what? Happier and more? We need to be convicted. of. If this doesn't happen, we need to reevaluate our experiences until it does happen. If not, we must disabuse ourselves of the past church experiences and misunderstandings or seek a what? Reconversion experience and not a, just a graduate diploma from some empty Bible study program. Okay? Sometimes we think, hey, I know all the doctrines. I've memorized all 28, 29. How many do we have? 27, 28, 29, whatever. Okay? Now I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. Just because you know it doesn't mean that you're a Seventh-day Adventist. It needs to sink down and take root where? In your heart. It becomes a you're very fiber. Herodian politics, we're not being, I'm not talking about being centrists. Politics and theology do not have the same axes. And I just want to say this. Just because you are a conservative does not make you a Republican. And not all Democrats are what? Liberals. Okay. There's just, there's just, I don't know where this myth came about. But it says, you know what? If I'm a conservative, I believe the Bible is inspired. And I believe in John McCain. Okay? If I believe in change and hope, then I'm, I must be a liberal. I'm living from California, and I must like Obama. Okay? These are two totally different axes altogether. Okay? Do not mix those together. I believe you can be a liberal Republican and a conservative Democrat and, and, and be confused. <laughs> anyway, in the church today, there are some things called Adventist shibboleths. This is a word that's very difficult to say in Hebrew, and in, in the book of Joshua? I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Joshua. They were going out, and in, to determine uh, which tribe you were, they asked, hey, say the word Shibboleth. And someone say Shibboleth, and someone say Sibboleth, and they would determine who is who on which side. There are a lot of issues that determine that we, we use as axes, as differentiating points. One is the health message, yes? We actually sit down with a person, and we see, what are you eating? 
And we're like, wow, you're putting salt on your tofu. You're a liberal. <laughs> wow. You're putting black pepper on your tofu. You're not even an Adventist. You know, like, okay. Now, I'm not, I'm not criticizing, and we shouldn't eat black pepper, and I believe in spirit pops, all that stuff. Okay, I'm just being, I'm using humor. Okay, so don't, don't freak out about this. Okay, but what, do, do we make the health message as a shibboleth to determine whether this person's of the faith or not? Okay. Oh, you're vegan? Oh, you must be part of the 144,000, brother. Okay. <laughs> and there are vegans out there that, that I believe there are legalistic vegans out there. Okay. I went shopping with one. We went to Walmart, and they're reading the back of everything. And as long as it doesn't have anything animal products in, it could have, like, you know, hexane and propanol and G65-4321, you know, chemical. Oh, yeah, it's vegan. It's healthy for me. And they'll, they'll eat it. Okay. The principle of health message, and this is confirmed by spirit of prophecy, it is not a health that is the goal. Did you know that? It is holiness that is the goal. And sometimes we supplant. Now, if you're holy, the, health, the two should go line in line. But did you, know there's, did you know there's healthier people than Seventh-day Adventists out in the world? Did you know that? I know that sounds like heresy. And I know that's, that the DVD, the Adventist DVD says, doesn't say that, you know. But they're healthier people. Is health our goal? Yes, absolutely. But what is the larger goal than that? Is holiness. Anyway, nature of Christ is another one that people use. The nature of Christ issue is a huge one, and I believe every young person should study it for yourself. Okay? The Seventh-day Adventist Church has not made an official stance on the nature of Christ. I believe that every young person should believe in, in victory over sin. Amen? That is coming from the doctrine of, of, of the cross. Okay? But to believe that Jesus was, was pro-slapsarian and pre-lapsarian and hyper-lapsarian, that is not um, a, a means for, for disfellowship. Women's ordination is a sensitive topic. Okay? There are many who have been burned by this who understand women's ordination to be an issue where it demeans women. Okay? Are there some people who say that we, women should not be ordained because they are incompetent? Unfortunately, there are individuals who say that. Are they right? Absolutely not. We find that in Scripture that men and women are completely, completely equal. You don't even need Scripture to say that. Okay, we know that for ourselves. Okay, then what is the issue of women's ordination? Women's ordination has been often repackaged into some feminist agenda to say that men are trying to downplay women and now women need to arise and they have some kind of Marxist perspective where the proletariat will arise and downgrade men and women will arise and, 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 and sing we are the champions or something like that. Okay? <laughs> there is a larger perspective. Now, I want to be sensitive that have, has there been an over-imbalance of the genders throughout the decades? Yes, there has been. Okay? But in, when it comes to ministry, men and women are both to minister. It's very clear on that. Okay? Amen, everyone? But when it comes to the specific task of ordination, it is a totally different issue altogether. Okay? It comes down to a hermeneutical issue. It is not based on the competence of a woman or the competence of a man, but it is based on interpretation of Scripture. Okay? Now, unfortunately, are there women and men on the sidelines who get hit by bullets in this? Yes, there are. But it is not about the ministry or ordination that's at stake. It is how to interpret Scripture that's at stake. Okay? And I believe everyone who is serious about this issue, everyone knows that men and women are completely equal in the sight of God and are capable in ministering and evangelizing and doing all these things. Okay? But when it comes to ordination, 
ordination is not a superpower ordination. You don't start flying after you're ordained, you know, all these things. Okay? A lot of the issues behind this come down to taxation. It comes down to legal issues. It comes down to other things as well. And then comp- the issue is very complicated. What we need to do is this. Do not be centristic. Do not go, okay, here, here, let me measure, maybe 50% right in the middle. Okay? Do not be emotionally swayed by one side or the other. Just have our eyes on Jesus and his, Lord, where do you want me on, on this issue? And the Bible is very clear when it comes down to what, what the Lord's will is. Okay? Amen, everyone? Homosexuality is another touchy issue. Homosexuality is a sin. It's very clear in Scripture. Okay? That being said, is it the ultimate sin of no forgiveness? Okay? That has been portrayed that way in the Adventist church. Okay? If you're a homosexual, we're going to cut you off, and you're going to be moving in Siberia, and, and you are the, 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 a subclass of human being, and you don't even deserve love and grace. Okay? Now, homosexuality is a sin. Amen? We need to be agreeing on that. Okay? Now, if you want to get into the scientific arguments, yeah, that's, that's another topic. We can get into that, that argument altogether. But to treat someone because they, they have sin one way, differently from another person who has a different sin is absolutely discongruent. Yes? I lie. I am a sinner. Yes? That is equally as dangerous and, 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 uh, and bad, <laughs> bad as, as, as any, any other sin. Amen? Is that clear? Okay. Now, what I'm, what I'm trying to say is we've got to look at these issues and look at them clearly, look at them biblically, and look at them with Christ's eyes. Okay? When it comes to diet, diet is the same thing as health message. I don't know why I put that up there. Dress, I believe we need to be dress. Re- we need to have dress reform. Um, I don't believe that ever, all girls should wear dresses because I believe that um, you know some people say if a woman wears pants, she's a sinner. You know, I, don't, I, I have a hard time with that. Jesus wore a dress, to be honest. Okay, he wore a dress. That is the reality of the matter. But I believe. There are standards and there are principles that we need to follow from Scripture. Amen? A woman should look like a? And a man should look like a? Now, how that forms itself, I, I don't ask me. I don't know about any of my clothes. Okay? I know I, I just wear them. That's all I'm worried about. Okay? But to say that, you know what, you know, there's, there's a little slit here and there's not a slit there and this is a little higher and this is principle-oriented is what we need to get across. Hermeneutics we talked about yesterday and social justice. The social justice we talked about is something that the, the many people who have, who have um, been burned by evangelism have been taking off with. I think we need to jump on that, jump on that point. I'll talk about it a little bit later. Music and worship is a huge thing. Do you believe in, in, in guitar or, or a piano or drums or whatnot? Let's look at the issues clearly and not just follow culture wherever it may go. Amen? Racism is a huge problem. There are some, some people believe that um, I have a right to worship with the people of the same color as my skin. Okay? We find this justification nowhere in Scripture. Okay? If you believe, if you worship in your own language, you see, you see accommodations for that. But if everyone is speaking the same language, this is, this is justified institutionalized, institutionalized racism in the church, where you have black churches and you have white churches. I'm speaking from, I'm coming from a territory that is highly rigid between the two sides. Okay? Now, me being Asian, I can kind of navigate this a little bit more easily than other people might. But I believe, how can we wait for Jesus in two different camps? How can we be accountable to the Lord Jesus and say, yeah, he's a different color from me, 
So he's over there, and I don't want to worship with him. Yeah, his eyes are a little bit smaller than me. Yeah, he's over there. Yeah, that person over there, he's bald. I don't like bald people, so he's over there. Okay? Anyway, creationism I don't want to talk about because we've been killing that for the last two years. Suggestions. John Bolin says, resentment is what? Easy theology is hard. And what we need is young people who have clear minds, clear hearts, and, and look at these issues theologically and not with resentment. Okay? A lot of us have resentment. Young people, we're easily, resent, easily resented. Easily embittered. Amen? Okay? All we need is one adult to say, you're dumb. And we're like, that's it. I'm leaving the church. <laughs> okay? Um, just imagine if, if there's something more dangerous than that. Okay? Um, Carl F.H. Henry. That's a long quote, isn't it? Shall we read it? Thank you for your enthusiasm. If historic Christianity is again to compete as a vital world ideology, evangelicalism must project a solution for the most pressing world problems. It must offer a formula for a new world mind with spiritual ends involving evangelical affirmations in political, economic, sociological, and educational realms, local, international. The redemptive message has implications for all life. Okay, did you get that? Basically, Let's start being proactive. Let's start going out into the world, not becoming part of the world, but being in the world and transforming for Jesus Christ. Yes? Too many of us, we retract. And he's talking about evangelicals back in the 1940s. But this applies for Adventists now. Sometimes we just want to be by ourselves. We don't want to be relativistic. We don't want to be fundamentalistic. So we're just kind of like, let me just be by myself. And if I'm by myself, I don't have to deal with any of this. Yes? Those of you in public universities, you don't want to interact with anyone. Those of you in, in, in public workplaces, you're like, your, your cubicle is like force fielded off from everyone else. Right? Okay. There are critics, uh, G.K. Chesterton says this, I love this quote, the critics are always right about what is wrong, the problem is they're always wrong about what is right. Okay? Just, he's a cool guy. Okay? Proactive, um, absolute, and this is, these are some su- suggestions. I'm going to ask you to write these down, not all of them, but just the ones that you like, and let's start implementing these right away. First one, write letters to church leaders. Okay? Every person, you should get to know your conference president, get to know your pastor, get to know your union, and just write to them. Hey, hey, elder, what's, what's, what's your name? You know, I don't know who you are, but uh, I just want to be your best friend. Um, do you have a Facebook account? Let's be friends. Uh, let's play ping pong. Okay? Get to know them. Get to know what, what they're all about and, and, and be nice. Okay? Interact. Take the proactive uh, perspective. If you have a, a question, talk to your pastor. Okay? If your pastor is 500 years old, hey, get to know the 500-year-old person. Okay? Hey, did they have refrigerators back where you were alive? You know, just, just, be, just ask and, and just, just interact. Okay? I'm just saying that to be facetious. If, if you are an elder person, forgive me for insulting. I'm not, that's not my intention at all. Okay? So let's, let's interact. Um, the reason I say this, modernity is causing stratification of age groups. Did you know that? Okay. The 50-year-olders, you hang out here. The 40-year-olders, you hang out here. 30-somethings, you're here. 20-year-olds, something here. And then 10-year-olds, you're here. When you go to mega churches, did you know that you go to your own age-bracketed worship session? Okay. And what happens is the church body of Christ decrumbles. Um, immigrant churches are experiencing this effect, where the adults go over here, the children go over here, and this is not the body of Christ. You have this, this bifurcation happening. Anyway, we need to start repairing some of those, according to Malachi chapter 4. Young people can afford to make mistakes, just don't make the same one twice. Um, be the church body. Liberals and conservatives are individuals, 
and undermine the corporate quality of the church, we've got to start maintaining unity, okay? Not compromise, but unity. And we're going to look at some, some, some suggestions for that. Be the voice against selfish desires and motives masqueraded as national interests or corporate interests. Um, listen. And I want to say this. This is huge. What does this word say? Listen. If you can listen, you have the power of all of heaven on your side. Okay, I'm exaggerating. Okay. Jesus had the power to what? John chapter 3, he talked with an individual. And in John chapter 4, he talked with an individual. These two chapters are on opposite ends. John chapter 3, guy. John chapter 4, girl. John chapter 3, meeting what time at night? Midnight. Girl, what time? Noon. Guy was super high class. Girl was super low class. In chapter 3, the guy came to Jesus. In chapter 4, Jesus came to the, the girl. These are, these are polar opposites, yes? But in both instances, Jesus did what? He listened. And it was a one-to-one encounter. And Jesus, um, Ellen White has a lot to say about the one-to-one experience. Okay? If we as young people can listen to each other, and even when we disagree, just learn to shut up and listen. And say, and just listen. And even of all the heresy that you're hearing, just listen. The reality is that human beings just want, sometimes they want to talk, and they just want someone to what? To listen. And the more you invest in, in listening, the more the other person is going to be willing to also what? Listen on the other hand. Amen, everyone? Learn the art of argumentation. And I mean art not as in some kind of tactical, you know, like, like um, some, some conniving way. We as Seventh-day Adventists have to learn how to argue. Yes? We can argue on a Christian level, whereas my brother Sam and I, we may not disagree on something, but because I'm saved and because he's saved and because we love each other, we can argue on a certain level candidly and freely and take liberties without hating the person. Right? Shouldn't we be on that level? Okay. But some, there's something that happens when in an isolated church as a Seventh-day Adventist where we're afraid to argue. You know what? I don't like the color blue. You don't like the color blue? Well, I don't want to come to church anymore. <laughs> and we, just, we, these, we have this kind of infantile, immature reaction to arguing. Okay? We have to learn to deny self and to learn how to argue like Jesus did. Yes? Did Jesus argue? Yes, he did. Okay? Arguing is not always bad, but can easily be bad. We learned that we have to read. Read the Advent Review, everyone. Everyone get a subscription to Advent Review. Get, get, read some magazines. Um, read some blogs. There is a blog out there that is one of the most left-wing blogs in the church. And I believe it's done such a wealth of help to our church. Okay? Clifford Goldstein put a, put a little comment there, and I agree with him wholeheartedly. He said that this blog shows the church where we could go and where no one wants to go, so everyone stays away from. Okay? So they, they, they provide that service, and, and we need to be um, aware of what's out there. Cultivate civility, classiness, and sensitivity. Um, do you know what those three words mean? Okay? Anyway, don't have to be civil, learn how to interact with each other. I think those who are relativists want to be sensitive, want to be civil, want to interact, and want to understand. Uh, and we need to get that from the, from the relativists. But at the same time, we can have some level of, of, of absolutism also. Cultivate senses of honor, commitment, integrity, and resolve. Get into apologetics. 
on how to prove the Christian faith, how to learn from uh, some of the, the, uh, the philosophies before us. Bible study and evangelism. Everyone here should learn how to give a Bible study to someone else, learn how to win someone to Christ, an absolute basic uh, skill set. If you're dealing with doubt, read Steps to Christ. Seventh-day Adventists have the education message. Did you know that? Our Seventh-day Adventist institutions should be the best education institutions on this world. Um, why is it that we're, we're, we're often, often struggling with that? Okay, we're struggling with enrollment sometimes, and sometimes they're closing down. Okay, just because we have the best institutions does not mean we get the best SAT grades or the best. We're number one on barons of list of, of whatever. The, 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 the standards for education are totally different. And if you guys want a life-changing experience, read the book Education by Ellen White. Did you know the book Education is not about education? It's not. <laughs> we have the family message. Um, Seventh-day Adventist families should be the best families in the whole world. We have books called Adventist Home and Child Guidance. Um, when people think of an awesome family, they think of an Adventist family. Why is it they don't? They think of Mormon families. Okay? And Mormon families have more than one wife. And it's really weird that people think that. Okay? Um, brothers and sisters in this room, the best thing you can do is pray for your mom and dad and pray that you can be the best son and the best daughter your parents have ever seen. Okay? That does not mean you worship your parents. It just means you honor them. Repair church abuse. Um, I, like we're doing here in the seminar, I believe we, a lot of people have received church abuse. Uh, church abuse means you walk into a church and everyone abuses you. you know, Ew, you're, you're different. <laughs> you're, you're a human being. Ew. And, and, and people receive abuse from that. Uh, we need to disabuse ourselves of that. Health message. Let's be healthy, everyone. Amen? I'll say that's the last of that. Human rights. We need to learn how to advocate for human rights wherever we are. We believe, uh, I believe that human rights can be a wonderful uh, transition point for, for the gospel message. Okay? If people don't have the freedom to breathe, how are they going to learn about Jesus Christ? Okay? We need to promote human rights around the world. You can do that through Facebook as a minimal, um, easy thing from your sofa, in your bed, whatever you want to do. Evangelism missions, go on a mission trip, go out there into the world. Um, religious liberty and, and liberty of conscience, those you have legal um, uh, bents or going to law school, or if, if not, get into religious liberty. There's a wonderful magazine called Liberty Magazine produced by the church. It is awesome, okay? If you want to get into, into politics and whatnot, it's a wonderful way to not get into politics, but get into politics at the same time. Um, belief of sanctity. There are two things here. The Garden of Eden had two things that we still have today. One is the Seventh-day Sabbath. Along with Sabbath comes on creation, life, and time. And the second thing is what? Sexuality. The church should be, a, be the voice in society for those two things. On Sabbath and what? Sexuality. Did you know sexuality is holy? It is the, one of the, is the holiest thing. That and Sabbath. Those are the two things we have from, from the Garden of Eden. These are the two things that Satan also attacks. He attacks Saturday. He says the, Saturday, the seventh day is not seventh day. The seventh day is the first day. The first day is Sunday. And he says sexuality is not between one man and one woman. It's between, you know, everything else. Okay? Along with that is marriage and family. Okay, let's start advocating for those two things. Justice and compassion, getting to health care, extreme poverty, AIDS, starvation, sexual redemption, abuse, sexual trafficking. Uh, there's also, there's something else in there too. Anyway, world peace. This sounds really cheesy, doesn't it? World peace. We need to advocate for world peace. 
whether you pray for it, whether you get on NGOs or start your own NGO, we need to have conditions for peace, not for peace sake, but for what? The gospel needs to go forth to all the world, then shall the end come, Matthew 24, verse 15. Okay? We need to advocate for North Korea. North Korea just get back, got back from South Korea. North Korea is the last country where the gospel formally hasn't been entered into that country. It is a lockdown state. We should be advocating for the downfall of North Korea, not for North Korea's sake, not for American ideals and democracy, although some of these, a lot of things are very good, but for the gospel's sake. Amen? Creation care, not new age. Um, let's stop using a lot of water. You know, get a hybrid. You know, don't use paper. I don't know. You know, all that stuff. And last is anti-conspiracy theories. Okay? Conspiracy theory people are reactive by nature. Okay? Conspiracy theory people are anti-rational. <laughs> Irrational, that's how to say it. But I'll say anti-irrational. The world is not round. The world is flat. Well, you know, if you go to NASA, they have pictures that are around. It's a conspiracy. <laughs> well, Magellan went around the world. It's a conspiracy. <laughs> oh. Well, it's flat? Yes. So what does that mean? We're all doomed, you know. <laughs> it's going to go upside down. We're going to fall into the ocean. Okay, anyway. Anyway, that's it. I am painting a picture here showing that... Uh, Let's not be one or the other. Let's be something new. Well, let's say let's be something old, something that Jesus has always advocated for. Give me some ideas on how to be uh, classy, novel, Seventh-day Adventist Christians. This morning, have you been inspired in one way to be proactive for Jesus Christ? Yes? How many want to implement it right away? Tomorrow is 2010. How many want to make your New Year's resolution right now? What did I say? Just said that to make sure you're awake. Let's have a word of prayer. <laughs> Active, proactive, amen, amen. Let's have a word of prayer, guys. Lord in heaven, we thank you so much for, for hope and, and, and creativity and the future and for progress. And Lord, there is this human engine here, uh, and when it's inspired by the Holy Spirit, so much, so many, so much, so much potential can explode. Uh, Father, we just pray, cleanse us with the blood of Jesus. May our minds be be directed to the heavenly sanctuary, and may we use all of our being to figure out to how to make the gospel, the everlasting gospel, the three angels' message to bleed throughout the world. Father, forgive us for our myopia, our, our monocularness. Uh, Lord, we just want to, to use our, 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 all the gifts that you've given us, our eyes, our, our, our human components, and uh, may we in 2000. 11, um, resolve to do all that we can and not turn back. This is our humble prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. This message was produced by GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. GYC seeks to inspire and equip young people to be vibrant, Bible-based, and Christ-centered Christians in contemporary contexts. To download or purchase other resources like this, or, if you have been blessed by GYC and would like to donate, visit GYCweb.org or email info at GYCweb.org. You could also reach us via mail at P.O. Box 3786, Ann Arbor, Michigan, 48106. 
This recording is licensed under Creative Commons. This means you can copy and share it with anyone you like. Please attribute this recording to GYC wherever you reuse it, and keep in mind that resale and alteration are strictly prohibited.